Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. In much of the preaching that we hear today, you won't find much mention of sin. And if you do, it's unlikely that the awfulness of it in our world and in our very own souls is fully proclaimed. People are much more comfortable with a non-offensive gospel and one that presents God as a kind of bridge over troubled waters, one who lends us a hand to get through life and would never disturb us by bringing up the sin that pollutes our very own hearts. And yet the Bible is quite clear on these matters, and it never glosses over the natural human condition. In fact, it must be faced if we are to ever appreciate the good news at all. In today's broadcast, evangelist Jonathan Procopio takes up the topic of a troubled Savior. That is, he's referring to instances in the Bible where it is stated that Christ was greatly troubled. In each of these times, it is in response to sin and the devastation that it causes to human lives. We hope that you will follow Mr. Procopio's theme about the trouble caused by sin through to its hopeful ending with regard to what Christ has done about it. He begins with the scriptures relating to the troubled Savior. Verse number 32 of John chapter 11. And when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Jesus was troubled. Chapter 12, verse number 27. These are the words of the Lord Jesus again. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Chapter 13, verse 20. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. I don't think it's too hard to see what's on my mind to speak to you about. I want to speak to you about the trouble of sin and the trouble that sin has caused. For sin has caused an awful lot of trouble to hearts, to homes, to this world. And if you're not saved here tonight, that's your trouble, your sin. But when we think of sin, often we don't realize how much sin troubled the Lord Jesus. And in these four consecutive chapters, we have read this expression about the Lord Jesus being troubled. 
The first one I want to look at for a few minutes is his trouble with the wretchedness of sin. It comes out at the death of his friend Lazarus. And the Lord Jesus is standing with a family that's brokenhearted and with a group of friends that were brokenhearted and they're weeping. And they're weeping at a grave where a man has been dead for four days. And the Lord Jesus was troubled in spirit and he wept. No, it wasn't that he was feeling sorry and it wasn't that he was feeling helpless like often we feel at a grave. And it wasn't that he didn't know what was going on. In fact, that's exactly why he was weeping. He knew more than anybody else that was there what had caused this wretchedness. You read about the Lord Jesus prior to this, that there was a home in Bethany that he loved to go to. He enjoyed going to this home in Bethany. And it was a place where he could feel at home among friends, among people that loved him, people that cared for him. And there was a mutual respect. He cared for them. And they knew that the Lord Jesus loved them. In fact, this very chapter, chapter 11, that this account is in, it starts out with these words. Now, Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. That was the home of the people that he loved. It's not that the Lord Jesus didn't know these people, didn't know this home, didn't know and love these people. He did. But he's standing at a grave and he's weeping at the wretchedness of sin. Look what sin had done. It had come in and wrecked this home because sin, when it's finished, brings death. The start of it was sin. The cause of it was sin. And a home that the Lord Jesus knew and loved and people that he cared about are now broken because of what sin has done. Sin is a wretched thing, you know. It's an awful thing. And it'll wreck your home. There's nothing good I can tell you about sin. Sin never builds anything up. Sin is the master destructor. Sin tears down. Sin always breaks things down. Sin never props anything up. And a home that the Lord Jesus knew and loved is now ripped apart by death, which is caused by sin. But there was a woman that came out married to where the Lord Jesus was. She met him on the side of the road. And she falls at his feet. And she begins to weep. And the Lord Jesus, he loved this young woman. He had sat in her house. She had sat at his feet. He had saved her. He had saved her from her sins. He had healed her heart. A heart that was ruined and wrecked by sin. And now look. Here she is, brokenhearted at his feet. And all she could say was, Lord, if only you'd been here. If only you were here. Look what sin had done. It broke her heart. We play with sin. The Bible even says we roll sin like a candy under our tongue, like a sweet morsel. That's a candy. Under your tongue. We suck on it like it's sweet. We enjoy it. We go in for it. And in the end, it'll break your heart. And it left this girl weeping on the road. If you're here tonight, whether young or old, and you're in your sins, let me tell you, Sin is a wretched thing. Trouble at what sin had done. Trouble at what sin was doing in a world. He came into this world. 
for one reason. To save his people from their sins. And now here he is, standing at a grave, looking at the effects of sin. What a wretched, wretched thing sin is. But in John chapter 12, the Lord Jesus says, What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Know what he was doing? He was facing Calvary. He was looking ahead to what sin would do to him. The price he would pay for our sin. And he said, now is my soul troubled. Troubled at the thought of Calvary. Not troubled about nails. He never mentions the nails. The Lord Jesus never did. Never mentions the hammer. Never mentions the crown of thorns. But he's troubled at the weight, the awful weight of sin. And as he surveyed the cross, he gets a good look at sin. Take a look at your sin. Don't take a look at the fact that you're not saved. You're not not going to heaven because you're not saved. And you're not heading for hell because you're not saved. Your trouble is not that you're not saved. Your trouble is your sin. Take a good look at your sin. And that should trouble you. And the Lord Jesus got a good look at sin. And he said, I'm troubled. As he thought about the sin of humanity. And all that it would cost him to put away sin. You ever get a good look at your sin? And what it's going to cost? What it will cost you to die in your sins? But that's not all he did. He thought about what was written by Isaiah. The Lord Jesus knew Isaiah. And he thought about Isaiah taking the pen directed by his spirit to write. And the Lord laid on him, laid on him, the iniquity of us all. And he knew in a few short days, the laying on of sin would take place. When he would bear our sin in his own body on the tree. And it wasn't the tree he's worried about. And that's not what's troubling him. And it's not the awful anguish of pain from men, as terrible as that was. But the awful, awfulness of the weight of sin, to bear the weight of sin, enough that would sink a universe to hell, born on the shoulders of the Lord Jesus. What a weight. What a load of sin he bore on Calvary. It's looking ahead. Now is my soul troubled at the laying on of sin. But it wasn't just the load of sin. Peter tells us that he would suffer for sin. Christ also hath once suffered for sins. And as the Lord Jesus said, now is my soul troubled. He's thinking of the awful languishing for hours on a cross. Underneath not only the load of our sin, but underneath the awful wrath of God. See what your sin cost? The awful, awful suffering for sin that we might be brought to God. In chapter 13, the Lord Jesus sat down with his disciples in an upper room. And he could say, Jesus said unto them, he was troubled in the spirit and testified and said, Verily, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. He was troubled in spirit. 
He was looking across the table at men that he loved, that he instructed for three years. And in particular, he was looking at a man that was sitting close enough to him to reach the same dish at the same time. So he couldn't have been more than two feet away from the Savior. And he knew that within that man's body was a wicked heart. And he was troubled at the wickedness of sin. What a wicked thing Judas would do. With a heart full of sin and deceit. Thinking he could actually fool the Son of God. That's what sin did. It so twisted his thinking that he would kiss the cheek of the Savior out of deceit and wickedness. That's how wicked sin is. That a man so favored, under such favored, privileged circumstances, feet away from the Savior, years of traveling with the Lord Jesus, heard the best gospel preaching that this earth has ever heard, saw what few people before had ever seen or since, traveled, privileged, ate at the same table with the Savior, reached into the same dish to dip a sop of bread in with the Savior, and then wickedly, deceitfully, kissed the cheek of the Lord Jesus in betrayal. Sin is a wicked thing. Oh, you say, I would never do that. Careful now. Careful. Would you turn your back on Christ? There's only one way to leave a gospel meeting. You don't walk out backwards. You turn. You turn your back not only on the preacher. The preacher's not Christ. He's just speaking for you on the behalf of Christ. And to turn your back on the words of Christ is to turn your back on Christ. He kissed the cheek of the Savior in betrayal. Savior troubled at sin's wickedness. But do you know, after Judas kissed the cheek of the Savior, look what sin did to the Savior. Wicked men took that same cheek that Judas kissed, and they plucked off the hair, ripped it from the very side of his head. Oh, you say, that's wicked. Yes, that's why he was troubled in the spirit. The wickedness of sin, the awful wickedness, that the creature would dare to lift his hand against the creator. That the thing formed would say to the one that formed them, Why hast thou made me thus? That would be an awful thing. But no words were said. Just a wicked hand reached up and tore the very hairs from his cheek. Bad enough that a man would kiss the cheek in wicked betrayal. But in wicked brutality, the sin bubbling over, the wretchedness, the wickedness of sin would reach a hand to the Savior. You know, centuries before this, a good man, out of the kindness of his heart, reached out his hand and touched the ark of God to protect it. And as his hand touched the ark, he was struck dead because that ark spoke of Christ. This wasn't a good man. This was a wicked man. And out of wickedness, driven by sin to its height, reaches forth his hand not to touch the ark, but to touch and rip 
the cheek of the Savior. And he wasn't struck dead. The grace of God and the wickedness of sin met at Christ. But if Judas kissed the cheek and a wicked soldier pulled the hairs from the cheek of the Savior, I just want you to think of how far sin will take you. Because the day came when out of the wickedness of their hearts, filthy men dared to spit on the cheeks of the Savior. That's how low sin will take people. God sent his only begotten son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And men dared to spit in the face of the Savior. Oh, the wickedness of sin. It's nothing to play with. And if your sins are not forgiven tonight, friend, you should be on your knees crying to God. Oh, God, forgive my sins. My sins are taking me to hell. My sins deserve absolute punishment. The wickedness. No wonder the Savior was troubled in spirit. If ever there were words of grace spoken by the Lord Jesus, would you listen to this? Let not your heart be troubled. From the lips of the Savior who was troubled at the wretchedness of sin. From the lips of the one who was troubled at the awful weight of our sin. From the lips of the Savior who looked at the absolute wickedness of sin and felt its dirty sting upon his own cheeks. Amazing grace. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. The trouble of your sin, you can't remove it. Friends can't remove it. Only God. Ye believe in God. That's what he was talking about. There is one and only one that can remove the trouble of sin. How did God do that? By Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. By Christ alone can sin be removed. The awful trouble that sin brings. Let not your heart be troubled, the Lord Jesus said. The only way you will ever know relief from the trouble of sin is by God, through Christ. Listen to what he says. By you. Believe. God has done what only God can do. Christ has done what only Christ could do. He bare our sins in his own body on the tree. And now, it's up to you. Accept him or reject him. To reject, you're in big trouble. To accept, you'll understand. Trouble removed. The trouble and destruction caused by sin in our world is undeniable, but it must be faced in more than general terms. We as individuals need to own up to our own personal sinfulness. Can you truthfully join in with the well-known gospel hymn that says, Amazing Grace, that saved a wretch like me? If this statement grates on your sensibilities, then it is quite possible you have never looked at sin the way the Savior did. Has sin ever troubled you? It troubled him. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me. Yes, 
Christ was troubled so that we might not be. The glorious gospel message is this. Acknowledge your sinfulness, turn from your sin, and come to Christ for forgiveness. Only then will you know the peace of God which passes all understanding. Do it today, won't you? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior, and in times like these, you need an anchor.